Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. We've been forgiven by grace. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. It doesn't lead us to be idle Christians. It doesn't lead us to be workless Christians. We're not working for our salvation. We are working out our salvation, working out all the kinks, working out those areas. We're working out our own salvation. We're not working out someone else's. We've got our hands full with our own lives. Amen. This is amazing grace. Happy New Year! As we look back on 2019 and what's ahead in this new year, it's a great time to recall the many blessings of God. Right at the top of the list for the believer in Christ is the blessing of being forgiven by grace. And that's our focus today on abounding grace as we dive deeper into Romans. Pastor Ed Taylor will be highlighting chapter 4 and verses 6 through 12. And all the leaders here in the fellowship, we have something that Billy Graham instituted long ago. He called it the Modesto Manifesto. And we've picking it up in our own fellowship to teach the leaders, both male and female, to never be alone with someone of the opposite sex, to never counsel someone with the doors closed, to never be in a place where, as a pastor, number two, that I would have my hands in the money. I don't even go there. I don't even know who gives or who doesn't give. That's not for my business. And there's great accountability steps that take place here in the church when money is spent and money comes in and it's used because it's not my money and it's not your money. It's God's money. We better take very care, very clo pay close attention and be very careful with it, right? And so the third thing is, is that when you look at that, you, he said, you know, I'll never travel alone. You know, Billy Graham used to have people go in and sweep his hotel rooms before he would stay somewhere. And he'd always stay with someone in the room. He'd never be alone in the room. He'd always stay with someone. And he'd have them sweep the room. Because what would it look like if one picture came out with somebody in that hotel room that got set him up to try to destroy his ministry? And he, had, he went to great lengths to keep himself above reproach. And he said, be careful. Be careful when you're traveling. Be careful with the opposite sex. Be careful there. Be careful with the money. And the third thing he said is to be careful with the glory of God. God begins to bless your ministry. Don't think it has anything to do with you. <laughs> it's his church. It's his ministry. It's his work. It's not a work of man. And so those that are in leadership have to be careful that things don't get to their heads because it's easy to do. Well, look at me. Well, look at you. You're a man. We're all just men and women seeking the things of the Lord. And to be very, very careful and the fourth part of that was to be very, very careful how you speak about other ministries that are doing the work of the Lord that you may not agree with. You take a strong stand for false teaching and false doctrine, but for those that have a different philosophy of ministry, then you rejoice that God's doing a work through them. And there's a blessedness in being forgiven. There's a blessedness in staying away from those things because sin isn't sweet anymore. And I don't want it to be sweet. And, and you, looking at your life, now it doesn't taste good anymore. I don't want to taste it. I don't want it. It doesn't help me. It's bitter. It hurts. It hinders. And so I rest in the joy that's mine in forgiveness. 
In Psalm 103, you can jot it down. I want to read it to you from the New Living Translation because I like this. You could turn there if you like, but I'm going to read it from the New Living. It says, The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. I'm beginning in verse 6. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Did you hear that? He's not going to tell you to pack your bags and get out of the kingdom. But he's going to draw you to himself. He's going to extend to you the opportunity to repent. He's going to give you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. He's going to say, here it is before you. Will you harden your heart or will you return to me? He says in verse 9, he will not constantly accuse us or remain angry forever. He has not punished us for all of our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. Did you hear that? That's pretty cool. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our rebellious acts as far away from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Do you hear those two words? He's, a, he's like a father to us. He's what? Tender and compassionate. He knows you. He knows me. We might be surprised. He's not surprised. He knows us. For he understands how weak we are. He knows that we're only dust. So friends, there is a blessedness to being forgiven. It melts your heart. You don't want to go that way anymore. You realize the price that Jesus has paid for you. You realize how good it is not to have this guilt anymore, not to have this emptiness anymore, not to have this loneliness, not to have a place where now you're, you're fearing all the time, but now God has done a great work in your life. And David, back in Romans 4, David agrees. He agrees with the doctrine of grace. Now we move on in verse 9 to the circumcision of Abraham and how exactly was Abraham declared righteous. It was apart from works we've already learned last time. David, he agrees that it was by faith and there's a blessedness of faith. And now we come to the sign of circumcision. Did it happen before or after? Well, let's see, verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised, but while... While, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also who walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised circumcised. A lot of circumcision in those verses. Wow. Whew, we got through that one. But did it happen before or after? Paul says it happened before. And so do the scriptures. Before any religious act of Abraham, he was declared righteous by his faith. It wasn't any work that he offered to God. It wasn't any religious act that he offered to God. That's why we believe scripturally and doctrinally that water baptism saves nobody. Because that's the equivalent for the Christian. That a believer is water baptized, 
And if an unbeliever is water baptized without faith, an unbeliever, the only thing that happens is he or she gets wet. No spiritual work happens there because it's faith that God is looking for. And so Abraham was justified before the circumcision apart from works. We'll see in a following study that it was apart from the law because it was simply his faith. And that's the way God works with us. God accepts us as we are. We come to the cross as we are. I can't tell you how many people I have met, perhaps even some of you, that would come in here week after week and hear the invitation of salvation and the wonderful work that God wants to do in your life. And now today, the blessedness of forgiveness. And you sense your need. You understand your guiltiness before God. You're ready to repent and turn from your sin. But there's one thought in the back of your mind. And that thought is, I can't do it unless I clean my life up. And I need to take care of this part of my life. I've got to stop this. I've got to end this over here. And you know, I'll just come to you, God, when I'm clean, when I'm religiously acceptable. You know, I had somebody in my life tell me, I need to stop this, and then God would love me. Or I needed to add this, and God would love me. But now the scriptures are teaching you that you don't need to clean up your life. God will clean it up for you. He works on the heart. See, we're not just interested here on outward change. Because you can change all your outward behaviors and still be lost and dying and on your way to a Christless eternity. But no, we say, as God does, he, he throws out the hook and he catches the fish, then he cleans the fish after he's caught. Not the other way around. I've never seen anyone trying to clean fish in the water before they caught it. It has to happen. You gotta catch the first fish first. And that's how God works in your life. And you might have some things right now that are holding you back from a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. And my encouragement to you in just a few moments, you would receive the forgiveness of your sins based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ because the Bible says you and I are guilty apart from God. But his righteousness is available to all of us. You don't need to change your life. Just change your mind and put your faith in Jesus Christ and he will change your life from the inside out. The work of circumcision in Abraham's life came after he was saved, not before, because good works don't obtain or maintain salvation. And I don't think I can repeat that enough for us as a church. It's not circumcision. It's not water baptism. It's not work after work after work. You see what happens when shame and guilt come upon our lives? Some decide, I'm just going to work to try to get rid of the shame. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to do a lot of good things. I'm going to work, work, work. I'm going to serve every time I can serve. I'm going to pray every time I can pray. I'm going to read the Bible. And if I just work, 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 then I can just get rid of this burden of guilt. When all the while, if you will simply believe in Jesus Christ, he will remove it for you in one fell swoop. God, he doesn't love you anymore by whether you work or don't work. He loves you at a perfect love. And as Christians, well, we learn that work does become a part of our lives. Let me show you something in Philippians 2 as we wind down. Certainly God has chosen us and saved us for good works. He's prepared them beforehand, the Bible says. Now notice this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. A lot of people camp on verse 12. They don't ever read verse 13, so we'll just read verse 12 and stop right there. And I'll show you what I mean. We'll get to verse 13, but let's stop at verse 12 for a second. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not always in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. That's how they hear it, too. I'm going to work with fear and trembling. Got it? Work. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Work. <laughs> work. And I mean work. Work for God. 
That's what the Bible says, right? Work. Oh, just work out your own salvation, and you better be afraid while you're doing it, too, because it's fear and trembling. Are you shaking yet? Work until you shake. You know, work until you're afraid. And, and that is the message of many today. Work out your salvation, guys. Come on, everybody. Let's stir up all the work. Work out your salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. But please notice something, please. It says work out, not work for. You see that? Work out your salvation. The word comes to us from a mining term. It's the idea that all of us have a mine and we own it. We own the property. We own the equipment. It's our mine. But in that mine is veins of gold somewhere. And in order to grab that which we already possess, we go in and we dig for that which we already own. We get to work it out. We get to hit the jackpot. We get to be excited for what we already have. We're not working for it. We already have it. As we own the mine and inside is all that silver and gold, now we get to go work it out. Because this verse is often taken out of context. And many see it say, you've got to work for your salvation, see? But the Bible doesn't say that. It says work out. It's like faith. You need to work it out and stretch it out. And as you work out and as you work from your salvation... As you exercise through obedience, as you strengthen it and build upon it and your life changes. Here's what it looks like. Let's say that you have a horrible past with alcoholism and and, in your life you would be considered a drunkard. Well, the equivalent in your life now working out your own salvation is you forsake alcohol. Well, how much of alcohol? I make a suggestion for you. All of it. Because it's such a snare in your life. It's destroyed your life. It's brought so much pain in your life. Part of working out is to forsake that. I mean, we could go on with list and list. That's an easy one for me because that was what it was in my life. And I needed to get rid of it. God said, that's it. It's done. Over. You're going to be filled now, not drunken with wine, but what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And we could go through a list of things that God has delivered you from, that God has pulled you out of the pit, and the working out of your salvation is to forsake them. That's not you anymore. The old man is dead. Reckon the old man dead. Paul's going to say that time and time again, too, as we go through the scriptures. Maybe you're an angry man, and that's your, I was always angry. Well, forsake anger now and let God be your defense. Forsake those things that have destroyed you. Work out your own salvation. Work it out. Don't work out someone else's salvation, okay? Do you notice that word own? We're really good at working other people's salvation out. Man, do you know what a crumb of a Christian you are? Let me help you out. But the Bible says to work out your own. It's the focus is on you and your life. So if we left, left right there, I think there's enough clarification, but verse 13 really clarifies it. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I love that. Sometimes we forget that God's working in us. I sometimes forget that it is God who's working in me. Sometimes I forget it's his Holy Spirit that's dwelling in me. He's working in you, and his plans for you are much larger than what you can even see or think or know. He's working in you. Well, I'm working, 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 but the reality is is that God is working in you. Notice he's doing two things. He's working to will. You know what that is? That's a change of your desire, a change of your heart. There could be a point in your time when you had no desire for the things of God now, but God is working in you to will. He's giving you the will to make hard decisions, giving you the will to do the right thing, giving you the will to obey, giving you the will to change, giving you the will to repent. He's working in you so that we might have the will. But notice, he doesn't leave us on our own. He says not only to will, but what? 
to do. And so we have the power to do. The word work there, we get our English word energy from the Greek. It speaks of this power. It, it speaks of this wonderful working power in our lives as he's working in our lives to accomplish things. All the load and all the pressure is off of you. And by his spirit, he's working things out through you and from you. He's taking you from glory to glory, strength to strength. And so now you understand, if you want to be a Christian that emphasizes verse 12, you're going to be really bummed out. You know that? Because you can never work enough. You can never do enough. You can never do enough to come to that sense where I've done all that I can for God. Or you can focus on verse 13 and understand that it's God working in you. And then there's great freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And now you realize, I'm serving you, Lord, with love and joy and gladness because I love you. I'm forsaking things because it's good for me and it pleases you, right? That's what the end of verse 13 says. All of this is happening for his good pleasure. And I can tell you right now, sin and hidden sin brings no pleasure to God whatsoever. And you can serve the Lord and you can do things in God's name. You can teach Bible studies. You can lead worship. You can teach Sunday school. You can help park cars. But if your heart is wrong before the Lord, he takes no pleasure until you repent to clean up your life, to lay it before him, because he's working in you to will with new desires, new wants, new wishes. You know, maybe once you wanted to be a millionaire, but now you want to be a millionaire to help further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Big difference. Maybe in your past you desired to be a teacher, but now you want to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ with your teaching profession. You know, maybe before you wanted to be famous, but now you just want to do anything to glorify Jesus Christ. That's to will. And also to do for his good pleasure. The work, the cooperation, so that God might get the glory. Let's close back in Romans 4 as we head out today. Because there is a blessedness to those that are forgiven by grace. Abraham, David, you, me, all share the same blessing. We've been forgiven by grace. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. It doesn't lead us to be idle Christians. It doesn't lead us to be workless Christians. We're not working for our salvation. We are working out our salvation, working out all the kinks, working out those areas. We're working out our own salvation. We're not working out someone else's. We've got our hands full with our own lives. Amen? Is that true? A few of you. The other ones, we want to learn from you. We want to grow from you. God's working out something special through us. And what a great time as God put this all together as we study through the Bible. A great way to launch into a week dedicated to prayer and fasting. To lay your life down before the God of all the universe who sent his only begotten son for you. So that his son might take upon the sins of the world upon himself. The guiltiness that you carry around can be removed by understanding first that you're guilty and that second God wants to declare you righteous by faith. You see, it might be a long time since we have remembered where we've come from. And when you do remember where you've come from and some of the things that God's delivered you, let me just encourage you, don't be beat up over it. Don't kick yourself. I mean, we all have those feelings. Don't do that. You just rush into the very throne room of grace and allow the Father to lovingly take care of you, nurture you, bless you. Ask God for a change of desire. Ask God for a new heart. Ask God for a tangible change in your life as we seek to please him and to live for him.
Verse 7, chapter 4, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Romans right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Now, Pastor Ed, here we are on the very first day of 2020. What comes to your mind as we embark on a new year that might be encouraging to our listeners? When we come to a new year, Larry, it is always exciting. Uh, It is a tremendous opportunity with a clean slate before us. When I think of a new year, I think of all the potential that's ahead for us. Everything that could possibly happen. Whatever happened in the past is over and done with. And of course, we're living in the present, but it's in the present that God begins to give us vision for the future. And one of the truths that we've adopted here, Larry, it's a saying that we have, it's we love the past, but we live the future. And as a church family, and we also want to have that come down to us individually, is that we celebrate what God has done in the past so that we prepare for what God is doing now and on into the future until he returns. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 7, it says, but your eyes have seen Every great act of the Lord which he did. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and notice, go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. So we think back and we rejoice in the great acts of the Lord. It it helps us in the moment to keep the commandments of God, to live in an abiding relationship with him. Why? So that we can go on and go in. And to me, it's fun to look back and see all that God has done. For us as a church, even on top of that, 20 years, December 26, 1999, puts us at the 20-year mark of being a church family in Aurora, Colorado. That's mind-blowing in and of itself. But it's fun. I'm a nostalgic at heart that it's fun to look back and see all that the Lord has done, how He's shown Himself faithful over and over again. But listen, in this new year, 2020... I know a lot of sermon series and everything will be all about 2020 vision and clarity of vision. I think it's great. It's, it's going to be overused, and we'll probably use it too, but it'll be overused, but who cares? 2020, looking forward with clear vision. There's still a lot of new land up ahead, a lot of new opportunities. And although we have a great past, we've got to look forward. 
The past can't hinder us from moving forward with Jesus Christ. Remembering what God has done, yes, but keep seeking what God wants to do, yes, yes. So I invite you to do that this new year. Remember what God has done, but keep seeking what God wants to do. And that's where we're at. That's where I'm at personally. Uh, I'm just so grateful for the years that God has given me on the earth and the years that God has given me as a believer. So I want to ask you to join me in looking forward to all that God wants to do this year. And keep in touch with us, would you? Would you go to AboundingGraceRadio.com, AboundingGraceRadio.com, and shoot us a note of what God's doing. Shoot us a note on a day or a week or a month or share with me what your dreams are. Let me join you in prayer. I see all of those emails. I I may not be able to answer them all, but I see them all, and I answer many of them. Send them in. I want to pray with you. I want to join you in what God is doing in your life as you choose to join us in prayer for what God is doing in our lives. Yes, we want to hear from you. So email us today, and you can do that rather easily through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And listening friend, Happy New Year. Remember, if you are forgiven by grace, you are very blessed. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we're describing God, the faithful promise giver. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.